Welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I'm Taylor Trask. And I'm Todd A. And we are here in Denver, Colorado at the new, sort of their network studios, I guess you could say, maybe? That's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it that too. It's um, my office here in Denver, but we've converted it nicely into uh, a little podcast studio. We'll take some pictures and show you guys, but it's, I'm loving this already. Um, we've, I feel legit now, Todd. Yeah, this is our second podcast in this new facility yeah uh, as i knock my windscreen out of the way <laughs> my pop screen we've got pop screens folks we've got pop screens and arm boom mics and you know legit recorders and it's that's how joe rogan does it that's how yeah that's right <laughs> we roll how joe rolls um but todd and i have actually just stepped out of a little movie called arrival yeah which opened this weekend and uh oh my goodness we're going to talk about that and some other things in the next uh 40 minutes or so. Yeah. I think uh, a good place to start for that is that it was m- my first movie to see in an Alamo draft house. That's uh, right. So yes. uh, because we're in Denver, Taylor took me to an Alamo draft house. Um, mm-hmm. for, we saw a 1245 showing, so we did the whole lunch uh, thing in mm-hmm. the theater. It um, was sold out, too. So that's the, the Oh, nice really? Th- I, I mean, mean, I noticed, like, from basically. us. Yeah, yeah. Because when we bought tickets, it was pretty close. And then... When the we got in there, I didn't see any empty seats. The row in front of us had a few, but everything behind us was supposed to be Yeah, we were back. in the second row, yeah. which was still a great view, but yeah. still, which, still decent. Let me just say right off the bat, if you're going to see Arrival, get close, because the enormity of the visuals, you're going to appreciate close up, and I think it worked out in our favor, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, was, that's actually, I was saying to you before, I went to see uh, the first Avengers in a... Um, Sinopolis in San Diego, which is like a family of theaters that have like loungy seats and you can order food and stuff. And mm. I was right up in the second row and able to kick the seat back and really enjoy that huge uh, view. And then Ghostbusters this summer, I saw same kind of theater right up front. So uh, it's not, I, I think we just have this tendency not to skip those couple rows because yeah, yeah. we're used to the old stadium viewing seats where it's impossible to get a good view really close, but in these newer, you know, uh, yeah. Food and drink kind of places. It's 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 not bad to be up that close. Well, and too, it's it's not as close as it used to be. I remember like right. movies like back in the old eighties, nineties Carmike days, where the front row is you could literally yeah. put your feet on the wall that the screen was on. They were just daring the fire department at yeah. that point. It was like, how many seats can we get into this room before you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, second row, row two. I'm I'm not going to shy away from that in the future. I remember that. But this is a movie that is so visually astounding that you just you need to be close you need to be able to i mean i almost wish i had seen this in imax um as well because that would have been a really good now was it in imax oh surely it's gotta be was it in 3d i don't know i don't know why those questions i I mean surely it's in imax but i don't know why i don't think it needs 3d well but i mean when i think of how positive i've how positively i felt about the martian in 3d Mm, um mm -hmm. you know i I would have seen it in 3d and not blinked yeah, I mean, but, yeah. but there were so many. Okay, so let's let's look at this. The visuals were such that half the movie was just scenes in rooms and stuff, right? Yeah. So we don't need this in 3D. I mean, like we. True, true. There's some of the gravitational stuff mm. that might have been cool in 3D. Yeah. Um, I know in um, The Martian, one of the great things about 3D was that it was even in the dust storm where it was really noisy. It mm-hmm. gave you this sort of depth, and uh, you felt yeah. the sort of 
you know, that we weren't in normal gravity. Yeah. That's yeah, kind of yeah. what I got out of that. Let me just say, by the way, folks, we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. Oh, yeah, so yeah. if you that's haven't great, seen it, uh, maybe point. just wait, but definitely listen to this on your way home from the theater after you've seen it. So just keep that in mind from this point on, we're going to talk the, talk the heck out of this movie. Cause I, I'm just going to say right off the bat, I really liked it. Yeah. I, I loved it. Um, we'll, I'll also say right off the bat that loses us some, movie credibility points is that it's from the director of uh, Sicario and what was the other one? The Prisoners or something? I think so. And neither Taylor and I have seen either of those movies. Yeah, sadly. So uh, I watched it going, uh, it it looks like it's Denis Villeneuve. Um, Very French. And uh, He's wearing a scarf in his IMDb profile picture. (laughs) He's like, I'm Russian, not French. Um, And now all I can think of is the uh, Blondie song, Denis, Denis. Uh, but anyway, he was, uh, yeah, we, I was not familiar with his work, but watching this whole movie, I kept going like, who is this guy? Like, yeah. this is incredible. Who's the director? He's got, he, his, his visual sensibility reminds me of a cross between Christopher Nolan and Kubrick with a dash of Terrence Malick for good measure. So Malick is the, the one of those that I don't recognize. And I get the Kubrick thing. Um, to me, that was a lot in the storytelling, though, that too. and the sort of cutting yeah. of it, because as we'll get into in a little bit, that those cuts make a real big difference at like how yeah. the order in which the story is told. The Kubrickian thing for me, though, is both in the score, which was very... Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the score reminds me of Peter Gabriel's score for The Last Temptation of Christ. There's a lot of just very sort of... Uh, ambient music, but with like tr- almost like world tribal kind of injections, and there's like taiko drums and stuff. And it's like, it's not, it's very appropriate, but it's not what you would expect going into this. You know, it's not the, it's not the Hans Zimmer bum 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 bum. I mean, a little right. of that, but it's, it's more than that. And it's definitely not the, the traditional, like, you know, Howard Shore style. Um, in fact, let me just see. It did that great thing where, um, there were times when the soundtrack was playing when I was not really aware of it because yes. it was so part of the cuts and the movement of the the story. Yep. And then when it did become apparent, it was like you were already caught up in the music, you know, especially there at the end. That was where it really where I could I, I knew I was like sort of aware that I was listening to music and a soundtrack that was manipulating my yeah. emotions. Now this guy, the soundtrack is by Johan Johansson. He and he has done it looks like most of the other uh, um, Dennis Villeneuve uh, movies, like you know Cesario or how you Sicario, Sicario, Prisoners, um, Theory of Everything. What else has he done that I may know? Not a lot. Uh, so this was cool to see him. It was cool to hear his sort of take on stuff because you know we've kind of I mean let's be honest we've kind of gotten a little bit played out on the Hans Zimmer style of music that everybody seems to be aping more and more you know that's where it's just sort of non-discriminate you know without any sort of John Williamsy melodies that you can hum after the fact so um I don't even know how to how we should get into this film we didn't we didn't make any notes on I want to talk let's talk about three different categories visuals. Um, st- uh, story and sorry, what was your third one? Well, I was just about to say it. visuals, story, and um, I distracted oh. Taylor with a with a note. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, I just realized too. On our so we're recording this on a new our new Zoom, and I realized that the volume for our headphones and the volume for the recorder can actually be independently controlled. <laughs> Look at that! Very loud in my headphones. I thought that was different or the same. Uh, anyway. try, I tried to make my note passing as discreet as possible. I'm sorry. Now it's become part of the show. We're passing notes, folks, between each other, between <laughs> Turn each it other. Down. Um, no, so so let's let's talk about visuals. 
um, in, a, in a bucket. Let's talk about the story itself in a bucket. And then I have a lot of like just comparisons to other movies because going into this, one of the big things, you know, and all the press and all the re- you know, pre-reviews and stuff, everybody kept saying, oh, this is like, this is not a traditional like aliens visiting us movie. This is much right. more. But there are, everybody's really quick to sort of try to make comparisons to, to stuff we've seen before, even though it's very much its own thing. So I kind of yeah, want to delve into that. I avoided the, the press largely. So, mm. um, in fact, right before we walked in, I'll talk to this when we talk about the story. Uh, I saw a note on Twitter and I was really bummed that I saw this before uh, we walked in. Really? But it, did, it didn't give anything away. It just, oh. uh, uh, but I'll, I'll talk about it when, when we get to the story. Um, well, don't I mean, don't bury the lead. Like what? Let's no, just no, no. It. Let's uh, we'll get to that. Okay. No, right. yeah, yeah. Well, let's. So, so I want to say I want to start with visuals first. Yeah. So let's yeah. get that out of the way because the the biggest upsell to me on this was seeing the trailer and seeing that monolith yeah. in the middle of this Montana you know field. Um, and I'm I'm a huge sucker for monolithic structures and big open spaces. Like you show me one of those and I will be like, yep. Uh, I don't care what the story is. I just want to see it. So you've seen like these giant like, these giant you know ships kind of standing upright. Um, in this, you know, in these different cool locations. So the visuals were cool, even like in the Kubrickian kind of stuff for me also is, is where you'd see these big shots where it's like these long, slow zooms that are very symmetrical. Mm-hmm. Um, like you w- look at a lot of stuff that makes the shining really good. And it's a lot of this like symmetry around movement and focusing in on people and sort of the, the, the discomfort that comes with, um, cutting people off in, in terms of takes and scenes and visual cues. So there's a lot of that going on. I really liked, the design of the sh- like the design of the ship and how like non techy it was it was yeah. very simple basic organic yeah and if you're sitting at home going you haven't seen it yet or if you have seen it and you're just like yeah, you want you haven't seen it turn this off but if you have seen it but you're just <laughs> curious and you're wanting to know like do they show you the aliens yes they do um, my my fear was like are they ever going to show us aliens because they they make a big stink on the trailers never to show anything right and I'm glad that right off the bat like they give you a sense of you know, they physically show you actual aliens. Like, you know, when they get into the ship and everything, it it was not what I expected. And the aliens themselves were were very simple, you know, very... I, you know, I'm glad you said simple because as you were describing the ship, I was thinking what a contrast this is. There's the shot where the... Um, they're they're driving the uh, you know the two scientists that are going to go on board the ship. They're driving them over the sort of ridge to the valley where the monolith is parked, mm-hmm. and the clouds are really low and pouring over the you know over the other side of the ridge into the valley. And you sort of see this wide open space with this just you know a few trucks parked down below and this giant monolith. Yeah. And I thought, what a contrast this is to. Um, District Nine, and yeah. ever like District Nine at the time was so revolutionary to me because mm-hmm. it was a filthy sci-fi. Like this was a sci-fi just covered in grime yeah. and yeah. had so much to do with disease and decay, and and um, and then the sort of you know analogy of that to the social uh, decay, and and that was eye-opening at the time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. we've had almost ten years of just dirty sci-fi movies where yeah. it's just they're just caked in grime. Yeah, and it was really interesting to see. A, you know, a, a non-techie ship and non-techie aliens. Yeah. And yeah. man, was I glad that they weren't giant insects like every other alien has been right? for the past, like, Or humanoids, some, like, giant, yeah. long, you know, spindly humanoids or something. Like, I remember when the Super 8 monster revealed itself, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this about 10 times lately. Yeah. There, it, it, there was no surprise to me in that. 
in an otherwise great movie, you know? Do you know what the, um, hang on, is it Nine Inch Nails? There is a, (laughs) there's an album cover. The the Aliens reminded me of um, a hand album cover. What is the? Hand album cover. I'm furiously Googling. Yeah, there we go. So there there was this Nine Inch Nails. the hand is stretched down, yeah. Yeah, I forget what it is, but there's this Nine Inch, Year Zero. So go and look at the Year Zero album cover from Nine Inch Nails and like the image reminds me a lot of what the aliens look like in this. Everything about, I don't know if, the, I mean, I'm sure this is part of the visuals you wanted to get into, but everything about the aliens in this too uh, was uh, well-formed, well-thought-out, like well-designed, you yeah. know, from a filmmaker point of view. Yeah. Like the mystery to this is, uh, so these these 12... Uh, craft. I mean, you, we're assuming you've probably seen it at this point because spoilers are coming. But these these twelve craft are on Earth, and they're going to send um, uh, a linguist up to try to decipher their language. Amy Adams. And that that language part of it, like just when you find out how the aliens write their own language in this sort of like octopus like ink. Yeah. Um, Which, where by they the way, swirl looks into it looks like the cover of a Cigarose album. That was the first thing <laughs> I thought of. I was like. Oh, interesting. It's uh, it's very abstract, but it's it's very. Des- it know, looks like the Zen circle. The is that the Soto or whatever, where yeah. you do it with one brush stroke in a circle and it doesn't Ooh. connect. You know, and this was a very. This movie was inspired by Enzo. A, Enzo in, is the is the Zen term. Sorry, but there's a there's a uh, a book. A, is it Chinese or Japanese book that this was inspired by? Hang on. It was a story. Uh, was it called the story of your life or a yes, from something like that? Story of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, cause yeah, we saw that in the ending credits. I was not familiar with any of that before it happened, but, but anyway, I, it, it, as Taylor looks that up, I mean, just the design of the heptopods, the aliens that had, uh, seven legs and then the way they communicate and the way they move and the way their ship was built. It was just, it was just so perfect to me. Like yeah. it, it all made sense, in but it wasn't, way, but it know? wasn't like, it wasn't like the clean white, you know, no, no, like, no, exactly. it was very, there was an organic quality to it, but it just, it was uber uber dirt simple yeah like there wasn't like you know wires and and crazy electronics like running through the ship it was just like one giant rock wall inner inside and outside and then they this goes back to the Kubrickian thing the simplicity when they're first interacting with the aliens they get in there and there's like this glass wall between them because the aliens have like this sort of smoky um atmosphere atmosphere, yeah yeah. which reminds me a lot of if you've seen torchwood torchwood children of earth you will recognize this visual very quickly. It reminded me a lot of that, and I almost got kind of creepy vibes just hearkening back to that. But they're in the ship, and it's like this white, you know, they have a lot of light behind the the heptopods or the aliens, and then, like, uh, everybody's communicating through there. But that's the only sort of, like, you know, any sense of technology other than the gravity and stuff. We don't see – visually, there's not really any – you know, like there's no tech as we know it. It's all very abstract and organic and, you know. The other thing it did was uh, it helped – Focus on a a science that is not mechanical. Yeah, because yeah. there's so many sci-fi movies where, um, and I mean this is a terrible example, but but there are a lot of like Independence Day. Yeah, when yeah. when they learn how to fly the ship. Yep. To me, it's like, how would you even know? I mean, aren't yeah. all the rules going to be different on that ship? Like, yeah. Um, and uh, it, yeah, so there was such a reliance on the translation and the linguist part of it that, yeah, they're going to show a ship that doesn't have levers and lights and stuff like that on it, which, yeah. um, 
made it so much more appealing. There weren't as like many red herrings to me. Like I wasn't thinking like, oh, and at some point Hawkeye is going to have to pilot this ship, you know? Um, I just knew like, no, this is going to be more about the communication. That's the story. Not, not how do we get this out of our atmosphere or take it down or whatever, you know? By the way, uh, in case you don't know, Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, co-star in this thing, Forrest Whitaker, who I didn't, I I figured it was him, but he looks so different for some reason. Well, the other thing is he has a different accent in every film that he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this one I was a little lost on. <laughs> it was. It was kind of a New York accent at times. But there was like a hint of South African a, at some point. Yeah, it was, it was just a, like, like I, the best I could do was like maybe New Orleans or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of a Yankee Creole accent. <laughs> Yankee well, no. Creole. Yeah, isn't There's, that a candle? The <laughs> <laughs> Yankee Creole. It from, smells like Mardi Gras. From her burgers. Pick yours up today. I, uh, I really like Jeremy Renner in this movie. He, uh, you know, normally, and I don't hate him in other stuff, but he's so, he has the Leonardo DiCaprio problem from time to time of being almost too intense, no matter what he's playing. And this one, he just relaxes and settles in and is so nonchalant with his performance that I was like, I'm really digging him in this. Well, I I like the way you put that. Uh, There was a moment where I thought, um, you know, I was briefly on the the train of like, Keanu Reeves gives essentially the same performance in every movie. Yeah. I've kind of come around to like loving what that guy does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jer- there was a moment in this where I was like, oh my God, Jeremy Renner is the new Keanu Reeves. Like he's just this sort of like, you know, cipher onto which we project whatever personality we want. But he did, he did open up a little bit more in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, I, it reminded me that my favorite parts of Age of Ultron were where he was interacting, Hawkeye, was yeah, interacting with yeah. his wife and family. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I can't stand him as Hawkeye, really. Mm. But I loved those moments. Like I, I, that made it that made me like Hawkeye basically. Whereas I hadn't liked him through three movies at that point. Or well, I mean, keep he had, didn't have anything to do in the first Avengers movie, so they had to. He sat up in that nest in Thor, <laughs> and guarded the hammer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that requires a lot of acting. No, but Jerry, I, I, I really, I'm gonna I'm gonna take another look at him because it's just he. I agree. Yeah. He was sort of following. Yeah, you're right. He was sort of following into that. Keanu Reeves territory, and I hate to say, you know, nothing against Keanu Reeves. He's like our John Wayne. This generation's John Wayne, right? He's just like, I'm just going to give this performance and be that solid guy. And you know, if if you put him in the right stuff, like it works really well. Like John Wick works really well. Apparently, I haven't seen it, but everybody <laughs> loves John Wick. Well, I mean, uh, however many Ronin there were in that movie about the Ronin that I really loved, 47, 48, 119 Ronin. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of Ronin. several dozen Ronin. I love that movie. <laughs> And then the sequel will be um, several more. Several more. I, I mean, yeah. It does I, I don't want to sidetrack us too much, but does Jeremy Renner fall into that Nicolas Cage, Keanu Reeves sort of school you of like Nicolas Cage, we do our own, our own school? And Johnny Depp to some extent. Like there's a lot of times where you're watching Johnny Depp going, yeah. this guy is he's the same sort of zany in every movie. Johnny Depp really fancies himself Gary Oldman. And there's a couple times he just falls flat trying to get there. Mm. And you're like, eh. I mean, Mordecai for God's sake was, a, you know, Mordecai. I didn't see that. I wish I'd seen that. Cause I read oh. the books. Mordecai is based on books. Yup. The Mordecai trilogy. There are three books about this. Uh, what is he? An art dealer slash detective sort of thing. They are. Why didn't they just cast Christoph Waltz as that crazy. guy? I would have seen that. Um, Yeah. Christoph Woods as Mordecai. No, so going back to Jeremy Renner. Um, <laughs> oh, would, yeah, we're talking about a ruffle. We'll tangent the hell out of this if I don't watch out. <laughs> we're going to have a giant whiteboard here now, and just, you know, part of the studio setup will be a giant whiteboard with all my tangents and then arrows. No, I took could, us on that one. 
Let's, yeah. Don't don't blame yourself for that. Yeah, but I I, I pushed my uh, foot on the on the gas and went this fast weekend. But Jimmy Renner's good. Amy Adams delivers. You know, Amy Adams is like the she's like the new Meryl Streep. She's just reliable, rock solid. You I love, know, I love her and everything. She can't go wrong. Like there's not. I can't think of a single Amy Adams performance where I'm like, well, I mean, she's just like she does exactly what she needs to do in every movie. You know. Um, I mean, even like the master, did you see the master with oh, the, yeah. she, I mean, in that I was just like, Amy Adams is in this and I'm like, God damn, Amy, she, I mean, she just delivers exactly what she needed. Um, and, and then, not, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I know Taylor's not saying this, but not, not in that, like, it's not like she's like a C student that's like just hitting the marks. Oh, it's yeah, like, no, no. she's like perfect in every movie. She's, uh, just, she's just like, uh, her own personality is invisible in all she, those movies. She's you, just, it just, you just buy into it. She does this other thing that I find really fascinating is that she sort of desexualizes all the, you know, not all the roles, but a lot of roles she's in, meaning she's a very beautiful woman, right? But when you're watching her, you're not caught up in, oh, she's so hot. Oh, and, and she can act like a Margot Robbie kind of situation. You know, Amy Adams, she's just, she's, she too, like in her, you know, and granted, some of she was a little bit more unkempt in her, but she settles in. So she's got like this attractive sort of quality, but her acting comes first yeah. like in every role she's in. Even when she's trying to be, I mean, her character is sexy. She's still just like my acting, like she has this weird way of making you just believe her performance before everything else. And I'm like, how does she, I don't understand. Well, yeah. And not to, not that we're obsessing on that point or something of the, the sexiness or non-sexiness of this role, but maybe this is a good example is there are several places where she's, you know, she's, taken to this alien landing spot, put in fatigues yeah. and like some ugly military jacket that, you know, is way too big for her. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just like, no, that's, that's what would you, you would wear in this situation. It's not a, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard running yes. away from a Tyrannosaurus Rex in high heels. Thank you. You know, yeah, and, perfect and so comparison. not that it's necessarily like the sexual non-sexual thing. It's just not, they're not trying to like, you know, Make it re- make you really aware that like oh there's a a feminine you know? yeah that's <laughs> like a better way to put she's it she's just another uh, soldier slash scientist on the ground with everybody else it yep. wasn't yeah it's not um, and real quick and we'll get to this in a second that remind there were so many callbacks to the movie Contact either intentionally I totally or not agree. and that was one of them because I'm like man she's sort of the modern day Ellie. From contact that Jodie Foster plays, the same kind of thing where totally. you know her character. You know Jodie Foster's beautiful. I had a huge crush on her, but like she in contact is just it's her character, it's her performance, it's the fact that this character is just a sci- you know, a woman scientist that you know happens to be involved in all this stuff, and you're not like ooh Jodie Foster. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like wow Jodie, you're like wow Jodie Foster. Goddamn, you know you're just like constantly paying attention to her, which is I, that's how it. In my opinion, that's how it should be. You're you know? not supposed to watch a movie and go, wait a second, why is this woman running from a dinosaur in high heels? You sh- You're you supposed to just accept the scene as yeah. it is. You know, I mean, those questions, at least to me, that's sort of like, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't question why Amy Adams is in fatigues and a giant military jacket. Yeah, it's like, yeah. of course, she's, you know, for three for months or whatever, she's been sitting here trying to translate, you know, on this makeshift military base. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, yeah. What she rolls out of bed in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, oh, I, so I wanted to do our, our uh, the, it's always, <laughs> I always try to do this. Uh, Taylor and I talked about contact in season two of the Todd and Taylor show in an episode, yeah. I think that we probably just called sci-fi at the time where we, right, yeah. we sort of discussed like hard sci-fi versus sci-fi fantasy and things like that. And at the time I had not seen contact because you were very stoked on it. You said you watched it every year. And since then I have seen, I went out and watched it on mm-hmm. Taylor's recommendation and I, fully agree with that. Like there's definitely a contact vibe through this yep. where 
Um, I also like too at the. I mean, even though it centers, it opens on Amy Adams, and you know she's the central character when when they arrive, uh, when they when she is recruited with the uh, you know by Forrest Whitaker to be part of this team that's that's helping uh, uh, science the shit out of the aliens that are there <laughs> to borrow from the Martian. Um, Jeremy Renner is introduced as the leader of one team, and she's she's Amy Adam is told you will be working with him, but you'll both report to me. And it's sort you he's the one that's like a little bit. Uh, Renner is the one that's a little bit more arrogant and yeah, yeah. heroy yeah. in that way. And but Amy Adams plays that that Jodie Foster role of like no, she's just doing the work. And eventually you realize like everyone's depending on her and her insight into it. Um, into the problem, which I, I just loved that, like that, I don't know, the way that character developed, you know? Yeah, Where yeah, it, yeah. it didn't have to be this, like, uh, I don't know, they didn't have to overdo it again, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking here, how do you spell a kite? What, what is the name of that island? Uh, this is all going to make sense in a second here. Where Godzilla lives? <clears throat> no, no, no. So hang on. There's, there's this. Well, I was uh, going back to the contact thing. There was, they mentioned something. So that, as Todd said, there were 12. There are 12 ships that land in different parts of the world. Oh, right, it's, right. it's never clear why they land where they do. It's not really essential to the story other than they kind of want – she, Sheena Easton had a number one hit in all of those countries <laughs> in 1986. Which they actually say in the movie. That's an actual <laughs> piece of dialogue from the movie. But they, I think, I think what, we're left, what we're meant to be left with is they wanted humanity to work together in some way. I mean that's yeah. what I took away. That's why they landed in different and, – and just too because humanity doesn't have a, a single leader. They're just like, well, we'll, we'll kind of land all over and try to hopefully they can figure it out amongst themselves and maybe they can work together. And um, But there's – one of the places they land is – what is this? It's this whole thing. Hokkaido? Hokkaido. Okay. I think – okay, now this may be completely out of out – of, that's, uh, uh, that's where Homer Simpson, the fishbulb light bulb comes from. If you are aware of that Simpsons episode, uh, there we go. So, so okay, <laughs> I, I am um, in in Arrival, and this this may just be wishful thinking, but right off the bat, they were talking about like you know one landed in Russia, one landed in Montana, one landed in Hokkaido, and I was like, <gasps> because if in the movie Contact, the the location spoilers, the location of the second machine that they build is Hokkaido Island. Oh. So I was just kind of like, is that a I little callback? A nod to I contact. wonder if it is. Yeah. There were a couple of things in this movie where I'm like, man. I wonder if there's sort of like it's just a little subtle nod to like we're we're we we really recognize that movie as you know kind of being the trailblazer for this one. Now, did we look up the nationality of the author? Yes, um, it is Ted Chiang, C H I A N G, and it's not clear what nationality. Oh, click on his name there. He's from New York. <laughs> oh my God, he's. No, that's Madrid, Spain. He's not. From yes, he, oh, he's Chinese. It's an American with uh, with Chinese heritage. Yes. So, okay. and there was a lot. So, of... Hi- Hokkaido is not like a. That may be, in fact, a nod to Contact, and not so. sort of uh, a, a Japanese author writing about you know his homeland I'm, or something. Yeah. I'm hopeful that it is. But there was a lot of Japanese. No, I'm sorry, a lot of Chinese sort of presence throughout this. Well, definitely that that language that's written. The yeah. aliens, I mean, the heptapods language. Yep. Um, yeah. And that's and and so. Todd's talking about the language like early on, like when they first they they do a couple tries where they send Amy Adams and uh, Jeremy Renner and the the some military guys into the ship to try to communicate with them, and she decides to bring a whiteboard eventually where she's writing down like you know human, my name is Louise, and then they see that and go oh, and they start to they kind of spew their ink like almost like little nanobot ink clouds, and then the, the ink clouds form like their symbols that they come to find that these. 
at first you think they're just like you know actual symbols, but you you learn that they're like almost entire statements in circular form. Yeah, that is super. Oh, it's super genius. cool. God, it's cool. Yeah, and um and then. Well, let's get into the story because this is yeah. this is sort of like so there's a lot of spoiler territory things. from this point on. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that you find out in the story is that, and it's funny they even mention in the movie that the, when you learn another language or you start speaking another language, that re- oh, I loved that like, that drop rewires your brain. Yeah. So if you start to speak you know Russian you know, a lot or learn the Russian language, you're, you look at the world differently because it saying those words or understanding those symbols like rewires your brain. In a different way, based on a theory that uh, the, the the way the language we speak informs our our logical process, much more eloquently yeah. spoken, Todd. Well, not- <laughs> I I just rambled through. But that. when that happens, so when we learn that element, it's Jeremy Renner saying, "I was reading about this theory," yeah, and he says it to um, Louise, mm-hmm. and L- Louise says, "Oh yeah, that's the theory," and she kind of explains the, the theory so that we, the viewers know that she knows what it is, and so we know what it is. Yeah. But right after that, the heptopod appears. He says, have you been dreaming in their language? And she says, yeah. maybe I've had a couple of dreams. But right after that, the heptopod appears. So in my mind, she never had that conversation with Jeremy Renner. Uh, that yeah. was her brain explaining to her what, what was, was going on. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I'll bring up what I saw on Twitter right before we walked in, was uh, I, I saw a, a, a pop culture writer that I follow say um, she had read so many reviews and things about Arrival that meant that mentioned that there is a twist. Yeah. And I stopped reading. I, mean, I don't know what the rest of her tweet was. I was just like, oh, God damn it. Why did you say twist? Like, yeah. now you've told me there's a twist in it. So in my, you know, so I, I you can't help but go in going, okay, what's the twist? I'm going to And you're constantly looking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But what I really liked about it was it wasn't a twist no. to me. No. All that, all that time stuff was laid in the prologue. Oh, yeah. She mentions that when she, yep. in the very prologue of the movie, when it's just scenes of her and her daughter... And so when it, I, I just thought that was revealed in such a great way. It's just like the prestige. Cause they tell, they tell you. Perfect example. They tell all you. All the clues are there. From the very beginning, the very opening shot, there's all these hats. Perfect and you're like, clue. if you, yeah. if you, I mean, if you're slow to figure it out, fine. But like, you can't tell me that was some big twist. I'm like, dude, they were layering that in from the very first second. Same thing here. Like where Amy Adams, she even says in her opening monologue, as she's like, it's almost like a letter to her daughter. And, um. You you know you kind of see she's like this is where you know this is where you began and then you yeah. find out her daughter um, you know and, and this is all revealed right away like her daughter you know grew up to be about twelve or you know, twelve or fourteen or something like that yeah and then died of some disease or cancer it wasn't quite clear and then during that monologue though you're, it's kind of like a quick sequence of stuff and made, Amy Adams distinctly says like memory is so different now or so hard for me to understand now so you're even like well what's going to happen to her point. memory like what's that yeah yeah you know um, yeah. I love and that. So, and, and it's funny because I filed away the thing on time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah, Because yeah. she says something about time in that early uh, monologue. That's right. But the memory thing at the in the moment she said it, I thought that same thing. Like, oh, what's this? How's this yeah. going to affect her memory? But but I kind of pushed that aside. I I, I hung yeah. on to the time thing. I knew that at the time, for, you know. So when they kept showing flashbacks with the daughter, or what you. Eventually, find out her flash forwards with the daughter. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. Because, because, <laughs> hold Let's off. Let's talk on about that. those clues, though. What, what other clues do we pick up on? So, the clues, and, and let me just say right off the bat, as this thing was building, 
You know, so like it's all about her. They recruit her, and, and this all happens pretty quickly. Like she's oh, there, forty-eight hours. Yeah, she's there at the site pretty fast. It, it. What I really appreciate about the beginning, though, is it really shows you what an actual alien arrival would look like. With just you know, every all her, you know, she's at a college. All the students are just not coming to class, and they're just watching the TV, glued to the TV. You know, they basically just. It's, it reminded me a lot of because I was in college during nine eleven, and that whole thing mm. was eerily like, wow, something's. You know, this is this really is harkening back to that. You know, where they're like, hey, everybody, we're you know, we're taking the day off today and you know get everybody inside and all these kinds of things and then um so there she gets she gets taken to the place and she starts communicating with you know with the aliens and everything trying to figure out their language but the entire time she keeps kind of flashing back to her daughter and you and you distinctly know because the 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 color tone of the daughter sequences are all sort of orange and warm and then the the tone of you know when they're back in the well what what we've learned is the present is all like cold and blue and whites and stuff so you distinctly know there's some kind of game being played my concern, but it's not super obvious. I mean, no. I think that's the great thing too is that when when we eventually find out, you know, when you place put the story together, yeah, it it, it none of it seemed out of place, made up. Also, yeah. that's the other thing is that I didn't doubt that those were her memories and in, in somewhere on the timeline. Do you know what I thought though, and I was really scared about that the whole thing was her just a big metaphor for her grief, and mm. that she and that instead of being an alien movie, it's a movie about this woman who lost her daughter who can't cope and she's inventing all this stuff in her head. And I'm like, Which please don't make that. Might like, have been pretty spectacular, but I, it would have been I really hard to pull off because you can't you can't come in with these gorgeous jaw jaw dropping visuals, right? And then be like, no no no, that's just fake. <clears throat> it's really about this. Like that would have been too. I really appreciate what they did so much more. Yeah. And what they did so much more, okay, what they did is, add, and this, walk me through this because I'm still a little confused. There, <laughs> if I can be of any assistance, I will. There, so the aliens are communicating with Amy Adams and they, they kind of keep going back with, you know, more, you know, more white marker boards. And then they're, you know, they see the aliens like, you know, project their, their sort of inky symbols and stuff. And then they're able to t- take enough of those to start to really understand that, you know, these are, these are like whole sentences or whole thoughts yeah. kind of in circular form. So as that happens, they're able to bring up like a, almost like a machine that then lets them almost talk back to them. You know, that, you know, they they were able to translate all the symbols so they can actually like have an iPad and punch in like, yeah. you know, we want to know this. And then the TV will show the aliens, the symbols. And so they get this nice back and forth going. What they find out though, is that the aliens are like, we want, you know, we want to present a weapon or a, we like present a weapon. And that kind of freaks everybody out because, you know, the military is obviously like, well, that means a weapon and we better bomb them. Um, and she's like, no, 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 no. It, it, weapon could be also used in their, you know, in their world. Weapon could be tool or weapon could be gift. Like we don't know. We should keep asking. What you end up finding out is the tool or the weapon that they're talking about is the language that they have been communicating with via uh, these was, symbols. And that was so well revealed. Like there was no big, huge moment. Like she just sort of says that over her shoulder yeah. to Ian, Jeremy Renner. Renner's character, I think, or no, she's saying it to Forrest Whitaker, right? Yeah, That's the yeah, gift yeah. they've given us is yeah. the language that we can use to, you know, communicate all this. And it's like, I, and just the, like the f- other flash forward of her book called the yeah. universal language or whatever. Yeah. Um, but why this is important is hearkening back to the other statement about learning a new language or studying new language kind of rewires your brain as Amy Adams gets. And we're, I suppose we're, we're supposed to take this as like a couple months have passed while she's been up there. At least yeah, a couple they weeks. Did, they did say months actually at it's, one point where they talked about it's... Yeah, it get, I get the sense that they were, you know, because there's a montage of them. Like at one point, Jeremy Renner like narrates like a little. This is maybe the only weak part to me was when Jer- Jeremy Renner was like, "We were with the aliens a while." Like it was almost just kind of like an exposition dump. 
Uh, I mean, it worked, but it was a little bit like. That's. I, I wonder if we're going to get something in like a director's cut or notes or something to come out because to me that felt like he was making a film like for his students or something yeah. to explain like this was my role in it. Oh, sure. Because it it really all of a sudden the tone totally changes. Yeah. His voice is different. Uh, tone of narration than Amy yeah. Adams was at the beginning, even when she was sort of narrating to her daughter. Yeah. And uh, and even the stuff that we're seeing on screen seemed more like they were putting together a presentation. Yeah. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe he had put together a presentation for the other nations or something. But it, it definitely wasn't explained like in the moment. And yeah. possibly that's just because it wasted time to explain it. Yeah. And they were like, let's just have him ex- <laughs> so, show the presentation and get to the next part. Yeah, true. But sh- so Amy Adams is like, you know, is studying this language and is immersed in it for so long, you know, months, as we're told. Um, eventually she starts having these flashbacks more and more. And you well, re- as she's reading the language and looking at it, which was yeah. so neat to and then, see. And you realize what they what they kind of reveal is that this has rewired her brain to think of time like Dr. Manhattan, where it's simultaneous. <laughs> and so she can, yeah, you know, and she's like, and, and they, they, at some point they explain to her, like, time isn't linear to us. You know, it's everything is circular, like everything. Yeah. And so what they, what I'm not sure about, and this is where I kind of was like, I need to watch it again in case I miss something. They distinctly tell her, they're like, we need your help. We need humanity's help. So that's why we're here. We, we're going to need your help right. in 3,000 3, years. years. And she's like, 3,000 years? What? How, what? And they're like, we're going to need your help, so we're going to give you this weapon. And the weapon is the language, which allows Amy Adams to sort of see through time or basically kind of experience time simultaneously. So she's able to see what we what we think was a flashback to her daughter dying is actually something that hasn't happened yet. And spoiler alert, times 10, her daughter is the daughter of she and Jeremy Renner's character. Yeah. At the very end, they eventually form a relationship and you realize, right. oh, that's the, you know, that's the girl's dad. Um, and then there's another cool line that I really like because the daughter's talking to the, and talking to Louise and she's like, dad, at some point in the future, they get divorced, or I'm assuming yeah, they get yeah. divorced. Separated, um, at least, yeah. Separated, and the daughter goes, um, or Hannah is the name of the daughter, which is cool, too. I know. As soon as they said it, I, uh, probably all three of us, uh, you, I, and your girlfriend, Rachel, who are sitting in the row, Rachel especially, like, laughed out loud, and I think we all got it in the second. I hope everybody else got yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. Because Hannah is a palindrome, and so it's <laughs> it's a circular name, too, yeah. and that was really cool. I... For yeah, a minute. the daughter's like, "Why am I? Why is my name Hannah?" And we all like chuckle before it's revealed. <laughs> yep. And and so, but Hannah goes to her mom. She's like, "Dad looked at me weird today. Why is that?" And she goes, "Because I told your dad a secret yeah. that he couldn't. That he got mad at me. And what we're led to believe is is that she told Ian that the daughter was going to die. I'm guessing." And that she couldn't do anything about it, or good. I'm glad you bring this up. Yeah. And so you're saying this is uh, the one of the moments you're confused about. A little about, bit. Yeah. So. I kind of assume, too, that the secret she's giving the daughter, like she tells the daughter, I know something that's going to happen in the future, a yeah. disease, and is unstoppable. For for the daughter, for the the world. See, that's where I was confused. I think she meant the world. Because when- and that maybe the gift of the language helped humanity cure that disease, oh. but in the process, she lost her daughter. Because for a hot second, I thought because before they kind of really reveal that this was a, a, her ability to break through time, I thought the weapon was the fact that her daughter was going to be the birth of this disease to like cleanse the earth or something. Oh God! And I was like. What the hell? Like, where, why? That's going to be a twisted. We're, thing. Yeah, we're making a couple of giant logical leaps here, but. And so this is really just a hypothesis of mine. I'm thinking there really was a disease that was going to wipe out humanity. Mm. The gift of the language helped humanity 
find the cure to that because now they they see time as linear. Yeah. And or nonlinear. Nonlinear. Oh my god! I just had a huge epiphany. Like uh, maybe the unstoppable force is death, and knowing is just death itself, and just being able to reperceive your life as nonlinear time is the gift that she was given. Holy shit. You're hearing Todd get an epiphany. (laughs) Like I think my face just like went totally wide. Uh, Now that's what I think. That's my hypothesis. So then what? Is that the unstoppable disease is really just death itself. And so she's telling the dog. So yes, then I think your point is validated. She was telling Jeremy Renner, I know she's going to die from this. Yeah. And that's what caused their break. But, um, you know, uh, Louise was able to experience her life. You know, the question she asks Ian yeah. at the end was, if you know, if you knew everything that was going to happen in your life, would you do anything different? Yeah. Um, I noticed when we pulled up the Wikipedia page, it said this sort of uh, hypothesizes a deterministic view of life that, like, yeah. you have no free will. You're just sort of caught in the stream or whatever. Yeah. Holy shit. Another epiphany coming to Todd right now is that that is what the inso kind of uh, signifies in mm. Zen Buddhism, of the mm. circle. Yeah. And that's what their language uh, represents, is that inso, the circular uh, Buddhist mark. And so maybe it is that um, that act of creation. And obviously, even if it's not... I mean, it's got to be inspired by the inso. But, oh, God, it looks just like it. But even if it's, oh my God, but even if it's not, it. just the circular form of their language yeah. shows... That they are not linear; they are circular. You know, I'm looking at Enzo and E N S O on Google Images, and they all look so much like I. Wow, that one too looked just like the the way the aliens communicate. I'm so glad you had you knew that because I that's I, a really cool I, twist. I, I I've just I've just had a moment where my mind opened up, and I we're gonna go, we're gonna go see it again, folks. We'll see you next got, time. And I got it all. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe you, maybe, uh, I'm still not sure though. Okay. That I, I, I'm on board with all that, but what is this 3000 year thing? I mean, maybe it's not important. It's not like they had to say like, you know, but it's just like, what would they need if, if the aliens already can see time this way themselves, why would they need humanity's help? Like what's the, you know, now, now I'm lost on that because my, (laughs) as I watched it, I thought, there really was some disease that was coming yeah. and they just needed help in 3000 years. Uh, but now that I've, you know, had the epiphany about that being yeah. the unstoppable <laughs> disease. Um, I, yeah. What is the point of saying in 3000 years, we're going to need your help. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's just not consequential, but it's just like, Hey, there'll be a problem. We can't solve ourselves and we'll need you guys to be at our level by then. Maybe it's because I don't know if you know this, or if you've spoken to Glenn Beck recently, but the Earth is only six thousand years old. Ah, of course. So yes. three thousand is half of six thousand. Maybe they're going back in time ah, to yes. when the dinosaurs roamed three thousand years ago, briefly, because we rode them and hunted them or something. I don't know. I'm and, making all that up. And, and, they, and they were toilets for us, just like in the Flintstones. It's all real. <laughs> it's like flush. It's a what, what is like doesn't at some point in the Flintstones like the dinosaur looks at the camera and goes it's a living or it's like some kind of weird like, oh god in the animated or in the uh, live action animated <laughs> let's do you want to jump to your third point uh, yeah. of like comparing this to other films yeah so yeah um, the big ones that jump out to me are obviously Contact yeah. which we talked about and I think you're this is gonna be on your list Interstellar oh, Interstellar yes but I want to say too like if you a great weekend would be to watch Contact, then go to the theater and watch Arrival. And they, they're, yeah, they are. I mean, they're not the same story, but there's so many themes and sort of like you. They will, they will be very complementary. I love that you were thinking of Contact because I was too. And the there's a a, a beautiful poetic 
ending to contact. Yeah. Um, yes. That, yeah. Spoil. I'm going to spoil this. Go so just mute it. If 20 you years old. It. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that there's that great thing that, you know, where that person says to um, where they're, they're basically comparing this scientific discovery. Jodie Foster receives a discovery basically that only she can verify. Yeah. And they say, oh, so you had a unique personal experience with this a is power after, greater than yourself. And this is after she was like shitting on religion like yeah, the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. So it's this brilliant – and I was so afraid that in this, when Amy Adams comes back down from the spaceship, yeah. that she wasn't going to be able to share the information she got yeah. and that – something horrible was going to happen. And like the, I thought like, you know, I just had that flash in my head of like, Oh, humanity is still going to start a war on these yeah, aliens. And yeah. she's going to be the only one that knows the truth. Yeah. And that's somehow going to be the thing that affects time or whatever. But then the way they reveal. So anyway, uh, yeah, so, I, I love, I love your point about contact. I was thinking along those same lines too. contact interstellar for sure. Um, well, I mean, I almost think Inception. Dude, I was just about more, to say Inception. Yeah, yeah. I, Cause I kind of, I just said interstellar, maybe put that in your head, but, I, but it, but you incepted me in the way, in the that very last reveal at the end with yeah. the, the conversation with the Chinese, uh, the the yes. uh, so, chairman of the People's so, Liberation Army. So quick, quick, quick thing. There, it's very, they make a big point about the China. China's general is is kind of like the, they call him the big domino because like he's anything he does, Russia and like three or four other countries are going to follow suit. So they're really concerned about what he's going to do in response to these aliens. And he's actually the first one to kind of initiate a like we're going to you know an attack on the ships, hostile activities, hostile yeah, yeah, activities. Yeah. And and what Amy Adams said that point her sort of future perceiving powers are mature enough to where she has a flash forward where she's talking to the general at some future banquet and he goes i wanted to meet you because you are the one responsible for stopping me from basically making a really big mistake and she's like what do you mean he's like you called my private number I'm, i feel like i should tell it to you now so basically amy adams in the present is getting this information from him in the future so she can make this call and connect right. it that was very inception like yeah and it but it was again like all the other reveals it was just like it was so – there was no – that's why I, I don't like, in retrospect, the word twist because yeah, to me it wasn't yeah. a twist. It was no. it was a lining up of clues so we, the audience, didn't feel cheated, which yes. is how I always feel with twists. Yeah. It's no. when, because a twist is when they're like, oh, now we're going to reveal information we've purposely kept Are hidden the so whole time. Are we so clever? Look yeah. at this. Whereas this was like, no, all the information was there yeah. and you get to discover it as yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Louise yeah. is discovering Just it, which like was prestige. what was so thrilling to me. Yeah. Prestige is another – I mean it's the, – the sort of similarities between non-space or sci-fi movies was, was more stark. Like Prestige, Inception, um, Tree of Life. Go watch Terrence Malick's Tree of Life. There's a lot of sort of – Ins and outs there too. Um, the other one, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, I'm uh, so glad you said that because that was yeah. I was I was in fact there was it was a little distracting too because there was a couple times where I'm like, man, are they going to Close Encounters this? Is Amy Adams going to go on the ship and just fly away? Like what's you know? Because at one point she goes back on the ship. I'm like, oh alone, God. yeah. Are they just going to like go off and she's going to come back later somehow? Like there was all these everything I was trying to I was subconsciously trying to second guess it and thank God the movie went its own direction, which was a great direction. You know, yeah. Um, one other what else came to my mind? Um, there's that one. I'm sure there's a whole host of others that he's not thinking right now. But yeah, there's it's, and I'm not saying this purposely ripped off or was inspired by these movies, but if you are a fan of these other movies, some of those themes are really nicely settled in here. But again, this arrival takes its own, blazes its own path. Like this is an original story. I love all the Buddhist uh, uh, Enzo stuff that I never thought about until now. I need to rewatch it with that in mind. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Uh, there's just like, there's, there's a very circular nature to this story that's really, really cool. And for 20, 
2016. You know, it's like the perfect sci-fi movie for this time. Yeah, and you know, so we'd also talked about Interstellar a couple times before yeah. I saw it. So again, based on Taylor's, um, although you weren't really recommending it, no, <laughs> but I, I did go watch it based on us talking about it. Um, and Interstellar was. Uh, unsatisfying in a way that all the like some major problems didn't get sort of wrapped up, you know, yeah. in a, in a, in a happy package, I guess they got yeah. satisfied, but they weren't, it wasn't happy, but, um, it, but that was realistic of it. And, th- and that's a very challenging thing to take as a viewer to be like, okay, they've solved the humanity crisis. Even if the personal lives of these individuals is still very sad and sort yeah. of, you know, uh, wrapped wrapped up in that sadness. But um, this one, uh, Arrival, I, I, like you said, it's such a circular movie. Like, it satisfied all those things without being corny. Yeah, And yeah. There's, there's actually only one line in the movie that I was corny. I think I know which one you're going to say. <laughs> I'll I think let I you know. say it, yeah. It's, it's at the very end <laughs> yes. when, when Jeremy Renner and, and uh, Amy Adams are standing, the ships have, have gone off, and Jeremy Renner goes, and she's kind of like reconciling all her f- yeah, facts. Yeah, she's flash- just figured it all out. Yeah, and she's going flat, you know, she's going, she's actually having simultaneous flash forwards and flashbacks and stuff in her head, and Jeremy Renner goes, you know, I came out here to, you know, I always, I always looked up at the stars thinking that that was the most important thing. Until I met you, and I was like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" Yeah, I actually looked at Rachel and went, "Ugh." <laughs> it was the one tarnishing. I've, I've mark. been rewatching Arrested Development, and I wanted to say that's a little cornball. But uh, I mean, you can forget the rest of it's so good. I, you can exactly. forget exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, gonna... and she, I think, right after that is when she says. Yeah. Right before to right after is when she says the line about if you if you knew everything that was going to happen in your life would you would you make any changes you know yeah. so yeah. so she grounds it immediately after yeah, that but yeah, yeah. but yeah it didn't I never felt like there was a a corny ending or like a twist that you yeah. know where um, they're all standing on a hillside waving as the aliens go off or you know it's like <laughs> bye thank you you know there was a I mean, I guess there was a little of that but it wasn't so overt Todd and Taylor ruined movies <laughs> let's come up with our our endings to really serious <laughs> movies that would be. They, yeah, you they remember wave. When, that, when Matthew McConaughey rides the bomb down, waving his cowboy hat, <laughs> the end of Interstellar? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so I guess on a scale of one to five, uh, with five being uh, not you know, absolutely gobsmackingly good and one being, pff, where would you put this? I, I mean, five. It, I just, it's, it's perfectly told. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to you know, ding at any points for that one line. Yeah, no, clearly not. And I, I'm going to say... And it was not over long. No. It was yes. like right at two hours. I didn't actually look at the runtime, but it's right around there. And it felt... And it felt... Let me just say this, too. This was the first time in a while where I, where this was a movie in the traditional sense, right? Yeah. This is not something you want to see on your TV. It's not something you want to see on your iPhone. You want to see it in a big screen where you can kind of surrender to the moment of the story and the visuals. Like, it's, it's a movie. You know, this isn't like, oh... It's a web series that we're just going to show on the big screen. No, no, it's a movie. And it's and I guess it's important, you know, as we said at the beginning, we didn't see it in IMAX. We didn't see it in 3D. We just saw it in normal, 2D. however many normal Ds there are. And we and it was per, it was perfect for that. Like yeah. it was it wasn't it didn't miss anything. There was no like uh it, you know, it wasn't supposed to be more grandiose. It was yeah, like perfect. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah. And it was perfect in that flat 2D yeah. huge cinematic way that yeah. you know, it was just awesome. That was great. Yeah. Well, um, 
I mean, that I can't say anything more about it. I can't either. And, I, you know, we're, we're wrapping up just in time uh, <laughs> like we should. For once, folks, we're not going to go over time. We, get you, <laughs> we can get you home to bed right when you need to. Todd, where can they find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at HeyToddA. What about you, Taylor? I'm at Taylor Trask, and both of us are at Their.Network. Yeah, find not, this and other fabulous podcasts. Not .com, not .net, not .org. Yes, .network. That is a domain name. There network and you uh, you can find their or their network anywhere Pinterest Facebook Twitter uh, SoundCloud SoundCloud wherever Google podcasts Plus or uh, Friendster Friendster <laughs> <laughs> Facebook we do have a Facebook page I'm gonna set up a MySpace page tomorrow <laughs> come to our their network MySpace page uh, yeah uh, great hey that's podcast number two wrapped in the, in the new podcast studio that's awesome Ooh. Well, folks, we'll see you soon.